Wednesday night, Hallelujah. Wednesday night Bible study. Amen. Amen. Once again, we come in to get re-energized, re-motivated, recharged. <clears throat> and that prefix re means to do it again. And as long as we live on this earth, we got to keep on getting re-energized. Amen. Amen. The world we live in, it has the tendency to bring us down at the time. And even the best of us. Amen. Sometimes even when you don't know it, you allow the world to bring you down just a little bit. But get into the word of God. Amen. Get into the family of God. Get into some house of God. Get into the word of God. Amen. With the people of God. And that way all of that can re-motivate, re-energize, re-dedicate ourselves. Amen. And we can go out into this world and continue, and as Paul said, to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead and stand and open up as we uh, prepare to get started today. Amen. Hallelujah. Other matches, you open us up this evening, please. Amen. Amen. Praise God, Father, help us all. We just want to follow this word. Father God, let's be Father God, we just want to be praised on your glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this day, Father God. Thank you, Lord, for your continuous grace and mercy showed us throughout the day, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your protection this morning, Father God. We ask you, Lord, just continue to bless us, Father God. And as we begin to study your word tonight, Father God, we ask you, Lord, to quicken the spirit, Father God. We ask you, Lord, to have our hearts to be free, Father God, our minds to be free, God, Father God, so that we can receive your word, Father Alex uh, we'll be at home trying to turn the TVs off, Father God, to turn the music off, whatever the case may be, Father God. Quiet uh, 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 the kids, Father God, and pay attention more to your word, Father God, and, and focus more on your word, Father God. We ask you, Lord, just continue to bless Pastor Steve, Lord, bring forth the word, Father God. And we would definitely want to continue to pray for those in the ministry, Father God, that uh, may be dealing with a few of uh, aches and pains and uh, sickness and disease, Father God, for those that are uh, recovering from, from surgery, Father God, we want to keep First lady in our prayers and uh, deep praying in our prayers, Father God, we ask God to continue to heal, Father God, to continue to bring them through, Father God. And we ask God to bless uh, each and every member of Sapphire, Father God, continue to use this name, Father God. And Father God, we will show you deep praise on and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Because you never talk about God. 
well, these guys are being put in jail because that's all they talked about. And of course, these days, people would say, oh, well, that's being fanatical. You don't just have to always be talking about Jesus. Well, you think they put him in jail for just talking about him a little bit? So we really have to check our dedication level. Uh, it's, it, it, it's really uh, somewhat uh, mind-boggling to me how we can carry this Bible, say we read it, pastors preaching it, but we're not uh, gravitating toward the true fact of that the Christian life is hard. Amen. Amen. Uh, Peter, in, 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 in Peter's epistle, he said over and over and over that Christ left us, in, us an example of suffering. And we would see when we started Paul's letters. Because uh, what we wanted to do was take a look at Paul's letters from him uh, first being captured by the Holy Spirit on the Damascus Road. And he began to write uh, on his first missionary journey. And then we wanted to move through Paul's letters and get to those that he wrote toward the end of the more mature part of his life. So we started with Galatians by looking at the dates that these books were written. Uh, of course, we always like to remind everybody that when we're talking about these historical dates, all they really can do, all historians and theologians can do, is approximate. It's really not an exact date. These are approximate dates. So uh, we see that in 48 or 50 AD, Paul began to write to the church in Galatia. And that was the first one that we did. And I think we went to first and second Thessalonians because those were written after Galatians. And uh, today, uh, after Thessalonians, we did Ephesians because we wanted to go to some of the mid -trails. I didn't want to read all, every one of Paul's letters, but I wanted to show some from the beginning of his ministry, some toward the middle of his ministry, and then those toward the end of his ministry. And now we're looking at, uh, after Ephesians, we're going to look at Philemon today. And uh, this is a personal letter. This really isn't a ministerial, pastoral uh, epistle as Paul is used to writing. Uh, this is more of a personal letter we'll see that Paul uh, has written to Philemon, uh, Philemon, however you want to pronounce it, amen. amen? And this letter, it is the shortest and most personal letter that Paul wrote, and it shows how the attitudes and relationships are to be transformed in Christ. The purpose that they took this letter, because this was a, this was a letter definitely to an individual and not to a church. When we read the, uh, Paul's letter to, to uh, Romans, that's to the church at Rome, Galatians. That's to the church in Galatians. Thessalonians, that's to the church in Thessalonica. But when we look at Philemon, this is specifically to Philemon about a specific problem. So what he's trying to point out is that when we are in Christ, the way that we handle relationships uh, downfalls because it's easy to have no positive relationship. Honestly, it's nothing to handle in a positive relationship as long as everything, uh, everybody's in agreement. But when people get out of agreement and out of alignment with one another, that's when we have to allow our Christianity to kick in and say uh, that old keychain saying, what would, what would Jesus do? WWJT, y'all remember that. I know it was a decade or so ago. Amen. But what would Jesus do? Amen. Amen. So he's saying here, uh, in this letter, he's encouraging Philemon to... Hey, it's Danielle here at Four Patriots. It was written on behalf of Onesimus, who was the runaway slave. Now, Paul is encouraging Philemon to go beyond the traditional master-slave relationship. Now, uh, knowing that all the uh, historical problems that we have had in this country with the racists, 
uh, we, we are still in a dilemma. It, it, it's really sad. It, it, it's really sad and, 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 and mind-boggling how so-called educated people uh, from the so-called most prosperous industrialized nation in the world throughout any part of history, we're supposed to be the most knowledgeable and the most educated, the most prosperous. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I just have to say it how it is. We act like we're the dumbest species on this earth. I see dogs take care of dogs better than I see humans trying to take care of humans. You see animals caring for one another. They, they showed the other day, you know, you're scrolling on Facebook, they showed the other day where a kitten, I don't know where the mama had went, but the kitten, the, 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 the dog was nursing the kitten along with her puppies. Because animals, I mean, they know how to do that. But we're supposed to be so smart. I don't mess with your intellect. I don't mess with your intellect. Because the first thing people want to do when you say something is they want to get mad. But you know what my saying is, don't get mad. Get educated. And if the truth hurts, I don't even have a problem with that. I was telling the truth about how the Catholic Church transpired. And of course, and I, and I said it in my opening, I knew, I knew that some people would get upset. And, and, but it's just amazing. All I was doing was reading Martin Luther's 95 Theses. I didn't make none of that up. I, I tried not to even comment on a lot of it. I was just reading. With, but you, you've been Catholic all your life, and you don't even know what document I'm talking about. See, th this is how America then watered thought down when we going to these churches and we doing all this stuff. Let me tell you something. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but this is just the truth. The tr God ain't got nothing to do with Pastor Appreciation Day. God ain't got nothing to do with church anniversary, and that to, to me, now it's just to me, I could be wrong, but a lot of ministries in America, the Protestant way of thinking, we didn't put everything on the pastor. Let's lift up the man. Lift up, lift up Jesus. Lift up God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's trying to get, he's trying to get Philemon to understand that when you're dealing with personal relationships, although your heart may be hurt, it is a fact. When we did our uh, anger management class, I remember that we did the anger management class. I don't know if it was an anger management class, but it was where we was talking about taking offense. Yes. There's always an opportunity to be offended or to take offense. Yes. But we would use the keys as the example. I could lay the keys down right here, and the keys may be an object, but you have to reach out and take the keys. You have to actually take offense when people are doing things. Watch this. We said that anger comes. We get angry when we feel like we're not being heard or we feel like we're being misused. Now, now notice the vernacular, and I'm being very purposeful on the words that I'm choosing. We feel like we're not being heard and we feel like we're being misused. A lot of times, that's not the intent. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Smith always used to say when we were at Abundant Life, one of, the, one of the things we went through was uh, message sent, message received. Mm -hmm. Is the message that you're sending, is that the message that people are receiving? And honestly, a lot of times in relationships, let's just be honest, it's not. Especially when you go to Texas and all that stuff. Texas, it, it messes up the whole conversation. Because you can read something with an emphasis on one word, but a person was putting an emphasis on a whole other word, and now we got to fight for I didn't even know all caps meant you were screaming for a long time. I didn't know that. So, in relationships, once we are in Christ, 
Dealing with our relationship, we have to understand, listen to me. Now, if, if we was in-person church, we all seen it happen before. The class go no further than this when I make this statement. Forgiveness is total restoration. Bam. I don't get no further than that because I got everybody giving me excuses on why they don't have to forgive that person. Because they might do it again. That really hurt my feelings. And then you got, look, forgiveness is one word that means one thing, and it means total restoration. Amen. You can't have, listen, can you be a little bit pregnant? Wow. <laughs> All the way. Now you can be one day or nine months, you still got a baby growing inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's how forgive. You can't forgive just a little bit. You either forgive or you don't. So Paul is asking Philemon in his name, he's putting his neck on the chopping on the chopping block for this guy. Onesimus. Onesimus, yeah. So in our relationships, being Christians, we cannot handle our relationships from the uh, worldly standpoint. Let me use that vernacular. From the worldly standpoint. Now watch this. The Bible says, get angry. Sin not. But sin not. Meaning, it ain't no problem getting mad when somebody has wronged you. Or let's keep it in, in, in perspective. When you feel like you've been wrong. And that's why conversation is so good. Because when we get offended, right away we get in our feelings and shut down. When you really should have that person, what do you really mean by that? So we can make sure that message being sent is the message received. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 So let's go ahead and uh, read. Now, uh, uh, Philemon is one of these one chapter books. So basically the way you would describe that is you would say Philemon in a verse. Uh, the, the, the two books that come right off my mind is Jude and Philemon. They are both one chapter books. And you don't say Philemon chapter one, verse so and so. I mean, you can do that, but technically, since it's only one chapter, you just give the name of the book and the verse. Amen. 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 All right, come on, let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, somebody wants to start reading from me right at the beginning. Philemon <coughs> chapter one, verse one. Amen. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, mm -hmm. and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to thank my Lord as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brothers have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could I could be bold in order you to do what you ought to ought to ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, as old man and now as also as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, that I appeal to you for my son Anisimus who became my son when I was in chains. 
formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in change for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will not seem forced, but will be voluntary. Because the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave mm -hmm. as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man as a, and as a brother in the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, do we want to finish reading that for us to the end, 17 to the, to the last verse? So if you consider me your part in welcome him, as you would welcome me, if he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything farther to me, I fall rightly with my own hand. I will repay you, and I won't mention that you owe me. Mm -hmm. So as we read this letter, we see that this is an epistle, uh, a letter, but it's a personal letter. But we also see intertwined with that personal letter, we see a pastoral letter as well, because Paul is really uh, asking, he's being gracious toward Philemon and asking him to receive Onesimus back. Uh, he's saying, I really could force you to do it. So obviously they all understood that Paul was a senior apostle. Hallelujah. So the letter does have somewhat of a pastoral tint to it, uh, but Paul did refrain from uh, pulling pastoral authority uh, or pastoral privilege, and he asked, he requested uh, this from uh, Philemon that he would take Onesimus back. Now, the name Onesimus, it means useful. And we see throughout Paul's exhortation about Philemon receiving Onesimus back, we see that uh, the word useful is used many times that before in the past he wasn't useful, but now that he is useful, but not only useful to you, but he's useful to me as, he's useful to me as well. So that's what his name means. Now I want to say this, and I, you know, it's, it's sometimes, uh, not, not trying to be worldly or anything, but I do sometimes wish that some of these statements that I make would go viral. I really would. And in, in looking at the usefulness of Onesimus, uh, when we when we see this term slavery being used in the scripture, it's not used in an arbitrary way. 
we're, we're specifically talking about a master and a slave. I mean, some people don't want to handle that, but it's just the truth. And it's in the Bible. Hallelujah. So we understand just by knowing that this book was written, that Paul and probably all the other apostles were aware of and obviously accepting of slavery. Now, but let's categorize slavery. Now, slavery was an accepted way of life in the Roman world. Prisoners of war is one way you could become a slave. And that's still true today. If you go to war against somebody and you conquer their territory, mm -hmm. in the uh, olden days, you would be able to take what the Bible describes as spoils. You would be able to take the goods of the land. So that's one way to become a uh, slave is by Amen. 
And the reason that we can't jump over this slavery hurdle in America is because there's a certain contingency or constituency left in America that still act like they want a certain segment of America to be slaves. Well, I don't know about you. <laughs> but this ain't your granddaddy's enemy. See, one thing America has always held over everybody's head is gunpowder and lead. You can defeat who you wanted to defeat because you had you took the Indians' land away from them because you had gunpowder and lead. They did. You was able to control the Africans when they came over here because you had gunpowder and lead. They did. And you still going around the world today, mainstream America. You still going around the world today, intimidating people with your gunpowder and lead. We're the greatest army and greatest military in the world. Well, what are you really saying? You got more guns than everybody else? Well, at this point in history, because we are supposed to be in the most educated, the most knowledgeable, the most industrialized nation in the world, you would think that we would be able to win more fights, more battles, without gunpowder and lead. It seems as though with our education, we would be able to, uh, to have more discussions and, uh, and come into agreement so that we can live as one in this country as Americans. Not white Americans, not black Americans, not Afro-Americans, not Asian Americans, not Korean Americans. Half of that is, keep, some of that is what's keeping up the division. Let's just call all of ourselves, if you got papers, you are an American. Drop the prefix. We don't need the prefix. We can look at your eyes and your skin and your hair and tell where you're from. We are all Americans. But watch this. Do you ever see anywhere on any application where it says white American, Caucasian American? No. But you always see the, the, the prefix on everybody else sub subliminally reminding you you ain't from here. It's a subliminal reminder that you need us. So when we look at slavery being in the Bible a whole book about it, and this is not the only instance, but this entire letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, it's about a slave. So right away, the question comes right away. I know in my mind, the question became, was Onesimus a person of color? Mm. Right away, when you bring up slavery and all of this whole bad teaching we have had, right away my thought goes, well, was Onesimus a person of color? Well, Pastor, glad you said that. Because in my Bible, uh, right before the chapter start, I got a picture. Now I'm trying to decipher which one is Philemon. Yeah. Because it's a it's a group of people and it is a dark it's dark skinned people. Right. So I mean it's just I mean, you know, of course and of course, of course with our uh I don't want to call the name on on, on, on the word I will, but there's a certain Bible that we used to use that we chose to use not no more because he always trying to prove his point. You see, so it ever, it's actually whoever the publishing company was that would actually put people of color, pictures of people of color in there. So, see, in America, we got so many biases going on to where if you get a black uh, or, uh, 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 
Afrocentric orientated Bible, well, of course it's going to draw people black. They got Jesus. They got the Jesus that looked like he was in the Bee Gees, but that's because the guy who drew the picture was Italian. That's why, that's why that Jesus looks Italian. So you go to a lot of black people homes, they don't want to have a black Jesus up. I wonder if the Asians, I ain't really never, I, I got Asian friends, but I ain't never been in another house. I wonder if they got an Asian Jesus on the wall. Because everybody trying to make it look like this. But once again, I want to kind of bring our minds back to Sabbath. When I pointed out in Revelation, when it gets revelations revealing, when it, when it reveals to us what Jesus looked like, we'd have been brainwashed by Caucasian Americans so much, we don't even pay attention to the color scheme that it gives us about Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And by the way, it is not proven that he's black. It says that he has hair like white as wool, his eyes are burned like, are like fire, and his feet are like burning bronze. That's like goldish. So quit trying to prove Jesus is black too, because that, that's not the description that Revelation revealing has given us. Hallelujah. But see, coming from a racist country, you will always try to uh, uh, balance everything out. Your barometer is always going to be colored because you're from a racist country. We was raised in this country. So, and, and the reason that I'm sticking on this thing for so long is because the first image, and I know it's just a movie. It was just a movie. It was a portrayal. Uh, but in the movie Django, uh, Django Un Unchained, it showed when the girl was, when, when, when he was beating the girl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of that name right now. So he died there beating Jody. Yeah. Oh, he is, huh? Okay. So the boy went walking down there all bad, and he found it. And when that joker had that whip in the air beating that girl, he had Bible scriptures taped to his clothes, pinned to his clothes. And, that really, and, and I know it was just a portrayal in the movie. I understand that. But it really captivated my mind because what it made me do is that's when I started digging into all these dates, all these different dates. Uh, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Well, then in 1492, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella uh, puts everybody who ain't gonna convert to Catholicism, they put them out of Spain or die. That was your alternative. Hallelujah. That happened in 1492 too. So what it brought my mind to, well, who was on Christopher Columbus' them boat? Because remember, it wasn't, but it, it wasn't the only one boat, y'all. They had the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. They had a whole lot of boats. We read now about uh, uh, Amerigo Vespucci, which America is named after. It ain't named after Christopher Columbus. It's named after America's uh, Marigold Vascucci. He had boats too. What was that boy named we play in the water? Uh, Marco Polo. He had boats too. So they had, once again, his story. You got, oh Lord have mercy, help me Lord. You got to stop listening to his story. Haven't you figured out by now that his story is a lie? Have you not? No, you too busy drinking and smoking and partying and going to the boat and you so busy. They got that listen, the devil, and that's what I'm gonna call it right now. The devil, it, he got us so preoccupied and so busy trying to entertain ourselves and make that money that you're not even really paying attention to what's going on. America has lied from day one. And they've been lying every day since. 
<laughs> His story. That's just what it is. It ain't our story. That's his story. Because the more and more I read about my story, it ain't nothing like his story. Amen. But just like I always said, I got to caution myself about this. Don't get mad. Yeah. Get So when I say America ain't nothing but some liars, and since we was raised in America, guess what we are? And I'm saying we, white collar on and everything. I'm saying we. I got to watch myself with that line. Well, I grew up in line. I, it's, it's a lying country. It's a lying nation. But I try to pick little things to prove my points to you. And, and, and it's got to be some kind of game going on to where you put speed limit signs on the side of the highway that say 75, but you sell cars to individuals that go 120, I mean 220. Now it seems like only the police officers should have those cars. The, no crook on the street should have a gun bigger than the police gun. But they do it all under the name of freedom. All of it, all of it being done under the name of freedom. So in, in Philemon, look at the letter, but look at the intent of the letter. Matter of fact, not the intent. Look at the circumstances of the letter. The circumstances of the letter. So let's conclude. Let's conclude. Since Paul was a senior apostle, he asked, Philemon to accept Onesimus back. Now watch this. We don't know if he did or he didn't. That ain't in the book. <laughs> now, I will say this. When you get to the end of Colossians, you will see that Paul sends a greeting to Onesimus as well, our faithful brother in Christ. Now, the only, only uh, conundrum with that is was Philemon written right, after, right before Colossians or right after? Because those books were written simultaneously. But the way the dates are, you don't know if Philemon was written first. And by the time we get to Colossians, he did accept Onesimus back. Or did Paul keep Onesimus with him and he kept working? Because he called him a faithful brother in the work in the work of the law. So let's switch now from slavery to the next part of the conundrum. And that is this is a pastoral letter as well. Because when the pastors, uh, the word pastor basically means primary overseer. That's what pastors are. Pastors are shepherds. Shepherds, which is a primary overseer of the flock of God. Now, in the year 2021, the term pastor has somewhat of a negative connotation to it. Not, 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 not 100%. But it definitely carries no cloud and no, no power these days. Because the church itself has watered down their primary overseers. 
And each individual member has to realize that when you treat your man of God with ill repute or disrespect, you really disrespecting God. Amen. Because I don't care who the pastor is, I don't care what his proclivity or predilection is, he is still a man who is chosen by God to be a primary overseer of a flock. And notice I said man, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, chauvinistic, or misogynistic, it's just that we don't have any evidence of a woman being a senior, uh, a primary overseer of the flock. And I'm not, I'm not saying that sisters can't, I'm just simply saying I believe that way because I don't have any biblical example. And if, if somebody can show me a biblical example, I will relent. But first of all, I was taught, and then I see from my teaching in scripture, uh, so all of the primary overseers over God's flock were males. And if we listen, once again, don't get mad, get educated. If we would just simply try to do things the way that God established them, we would be better off. So in Paul's pastoral request, and we really don't have any evidence of one of three things happening. Uh, Onesimus could have stayed the Paul where he was. Philemon could have took him back as his slave. Or Onesimus might have just been on his own, were working. We, we really don't know. The Bible does not tell us. But what I would like to, to point out is Paul's boldness in his writing to Philemon. That, they got some real bold points in this letter. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at what he said. Um, watch this. Let me find it real fast. Oh, only one chapter. I went too far. <laughs> Amen. Mm -hmm. Verse 6. Verse 19. Okay. Look at what he says. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. That's a pretty bold statement. See, I'm asking you for a favor, but I'm not going to mention that you already owe me, so you kind of got to do this first. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm not going to mention that. that. Come on now. That's see, that Now, what we've learned about that bold print like that is it's somewhere in the Old Testament, and we know this ain't. So you're exactly right. That was an emphatic statement that he made because it's all in bold print. And look, what type of punctuation is at the end of that sentence? Exclamation. Uh, exclamation point. So that wasn't just something that Paul said. That was something that Paul was vehement about. That's what, okay, so we got an exclamation in yours, which I'm the King James. I'm in the King Amen. So look at what he says in verse 20. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor. Why? As you always say. He said, give me this encouragement in Christ. In other words, let me see your Christianity working right now. Amen. That's what he said. Let me see your Christianity working right now. You talk about all this stuff, Philemon. You, you, you the head of one of the churches in Colossians. And, you know, let, let's see your Christianity in action now. Oh, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, every time I talk about forgiveness being total restoration, we never get no further than that in the class. 
So I have to bring it up again as Paul asked Philemon, encourage me in the Lord. Let me see your Christianity at work when it comes to forgiveness. Amen. Amen. So watch this. I'm going to take the words off the page and bring them into 2021. Let me see your Christianity in the area of forgiving those who you feel have done you wrong. Now, there's a difference between you feeling somebody doing you wrong as opposed to them actually doing you wrong. Because a lot of times, come on, who, who can admit a lot of times we just be tricked? <laughs> nobody misheard your feelings. Okay, some stuff might have happened, but nobody did it maliciously. So let that go. Yeah, Janet? Amen. Amen. So let that go. Hallelujah. So look at what he says, uh, verse 21. He says, I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I'm asking and even more. See, that's bold pastoral privilege right there. Now, this is what I have found in the church in 2021. If a pastor was to go talk to somebody that way, uh, pastors that I'm frequent with, I'm sure they got some pastors where their members still respect them and, you know, kind of honor what they say. But in the circles that I run with, if a pastor make a bold statement like that, he's just going to get laughed at, talk, talk about any space too. They ain't going to wait till you leave. They got members that'll chew you down right in your face. Why? Because the church has watered down. Listen, and if the pastor is the, listen, if the pastor is the primary overseer and he get watered down, we in trouble. So the people, the, 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 the Christians today have switched. Uh, come on, let's go to Romans chapter 1 real quick. I want to show you something. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 real quick. <laughs> Acts Romans, not Romans Acts. Okay. Right chapter 1. <coughs> He says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God is, what God is like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they began to worship idols made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles. So, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things that their hearts desired. As a result, they did, uh, they did vow and re degrading things with each other. Each other's Here bodies. we go, verse 25. With each they other's bodies. Huh? With each other's bodies. With each other's bodies, that's right. Verse 25. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Verse 26. That is why. Okay, there's a reason. Now you got to catch this kind of stuff when you read it. That is why. When somebody says that is why, they're going to give you a reason for why things are the way that they are. That is why God has abandoned us to shameful desires. 
Even our women now have turned against the natural way to have sex, instead indulging in sex with each other. And the men, instead of normal sexual relation with women, they now burning in lust uh, for each other. Men doing shameful things with other men, and as a result of this, this sin, they suffer within themselves the penalty that they, de that, that they deserve. Verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, they abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I think that's enough. Mm -hmm. You see? So, if people walking around acting like they don't know why the world is in this, uh, who, who say that? Temptation? Fall of confusion. That's what the world is today. Amen. We're all confusion. And, and, and to my amazement, they got folk walking around talking about why? I don't know what's wrong. Matter of fact, even worse, they got those walking around saying, ain't nothing wrong. America is a good place to live. <laughs> if you still touting that America is the greatest nation in the world, something wrong with you. If you still touting the fact that we kill over 630-some thousand babies a year inside of a woman's belly, if you still touting the fact that boys can go with boys and girls can go with girls, <clears throat> listen, let me say this right here. God put this on my heart the other day. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing it back. I am no way implying that there ain't no gay folk. I ain't no way implying that at all. Folk gonna be gay. Folk was gay before we got here, folk gonna be gay when we leave. The problem comes in is when the government sanctions it. Killing babies inside of women. They've been having abortions, child. Abortions ain't nothing new. And when we dead and gone, folk gonna still be finding a way to cover up their sin. That's what abortion is, covering up your sin. But due to statistics, it's less than 1% of folk getting uh, pregnant from raping incest. It's less than 1%. So, if I was the governor them and if I was writing the laws, uh, a provision for raping, I think it should be one. Because it's less than 1%. That tells me that we would drop this thing down to 63 abortions a year. Write the provision in for raping incest. It's going to drop 632 down to 63. And if you think, if you're still uh, lapping up that vomit that America's the greatest nation in the world, you ain't seen a good nation yet. We got children that's dropping, I, I ain't even talking about coronavirus, children that's dropping out of school at alarming rates. You can't age pregnant. That campus would be closed. So it's not playing time. Listen to me, pastors. If any pastors listening, it's not playing time, bro. This ain't time to clap and make people shout. This ain't that time no more. We had that time. That time is up. It's time to get to serious business. You need to be teaching your people about Revelation. You need to be teaching them about what the Book of Peter says. 
You need to be teaching them about Matthew chapter 24. Quit skipping over all that because the wrath of God is coming on all. We just got the reading. I stopped a little early in, in Romans chapter 1. The wrath of God is going to be revealed upon all ungodliness. All. This ain't playtime. And it aggravates me and frustrates me to the utmost when I got to go to church and watch people play. <clears throat> Coronavirus came and God affected the adults. And actually he affected the elderly the first time around. It wasn't even middle-aged people. Primarily elderly with uh, pre-existing conditions. They had a report on just the other day. I don't know how many of y'all saw it. About the climate. Remember how I always bring up the climate, how when Corona first happened by, by, by uh, April or May, how the scientists were saying the earth was cleaning itself up? Mm -hmm. I keep bringing that up? Mm -hmm. Well, I saw a report just this morning or yesterday morning where it said the earth is back dirty again. Just that quick. Since everybody went back to doing whatever they're doing, the earth is choking again. We're not even smart enough to stop our own housework. Isn't that amazing? That's not amazing to you? That as adults in America, we're not even smart enough to stop our own house from burning. It's literally burning. <laughs> oh Lord, let's get together. Let's pray because the storm coming. Nah, let's start walking sometime. Get a bike. Everybody needs some exercise. Because if we stop driving these cars and taking these boats and planes and all this transportation, we can clean it up. It was a proven fact, y'all, when coronavirus happened and everybody stayed home, that the earth began to clean herself up. But I already know the first thing on everybody's mind. I already know. But how are we going to make it? We can't make no money. <laughs> we act like it wasn't the past. How did they make it in the past without... Six figures, six figures a year. How did they make it in the past without a husband and a, and a wife working? How did they make it in the... So this, this can be done, y'all. They keep us under fear. We got... There's, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of major media outlets across this world. Six people on the wall. Six people own all the major outlets throughout the whole world. In other words, you got six people dictating how 7.8 billion people think. Because that's what media does. It, 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 it forms opinions. And you got six people forming opinions on how we all gonna think. I can laugh because I'm saying I already read Revelation what's up with us. But I can, I can really laugh and get tickled about it. But they got a lot of people out there. Is that guy Ronald Reagan's son? The atheist who got a commercial inviting people, people to atheism. His name is Ronald Reagan Jr. Is that really President Ronald Reagan's son? Oh, no, I know. Google it real quick for me. Because that, I mean, he got a commercial on TV. So, okay, watch this. So the atheists can pay for airtime and get their message out, but the church can't. Oh. 
He's spending all our money on family and friend, friend, friends and family day. He's spending all our money on pastor appreciation. Church anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's really his son? Mm-hmm. That boy got an atheist commercial. Atheists and agnostics. And guess what he says at the end? You know what his last words is at the end? I ain't scared to burn again. At least he knows one. So at least he know where he's going. That's right. <laughs> at least he know. But just like you pointed out a few weeks ago, it's really sad when people can use a venue like that. And because that's that's just the world we living in now, y'all. God has been watered down. So if God didn't been watered down, how do you think the pastor feel? Because if you if, listen, what that what who was that? Samuel? Where the people say we want a king? And he went back to God crying, oh God, they don't want you no more. They want a king. He say, man, don't, don't, uh-uh. He said, they're not disrespecting you. They're disrespecting me. That's why I can sit and smile about it now because I don't even feel, I don't even feel the brunt of all the disrespect and everything that's thrown my way. They got pastors in this time where you call me pastor. They don't rather call me councilman than call me pastor. But you know what I called him when I talked to them? Pastor. Because mm -hmm. I ain't going to hell messing with ignorant people. It's sad. It's sad what we're having to deal with. Amen. Come on, let's go ahead and stand and pray. We're going to close a little bit early. Uh, it's really just sad, the condition of this society that we're living in. And, and I challenge each and every individual. I really do. I challenge each and every one of us, individually, that we would look at this country that we live in. Because, listen, it's all our land. Read about each uh, Israel going in and out of captivity. This is our land, y'all. We all Americans together. And it's just sad. It really is. It's crying. It's crying. It's a, what they say, it's a crying shame. <laughs> and it's it. This is just a crying shame when we've allowed ourselves to come. And you know what? I'm going to put dime to a dollar that we can't stop ourselves. We're burning our, our, our own houses on fire, and we won't even put it out. It's sad. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, it is in the name of Jesus, God, we pray for this world. God, we know exactly uh, what your Bible says, so we know that the people are not going to turn around because your Bible says it. But each and every generation, you give each generation a chance, God. Nineveh turned it around. They put on sackcloth and ashes, they repented, and you relented. So we don't have to be that last generation, God. We can, we can change this. We can turn it around, Father. And we're praying right now in Jesus' name that you would help us turn it around, God. We don't have to be that generation Amen. that has to deal with your wrath, with your anger, with your vengeance. We don't have to be that generation. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, allow your Holy Spirit to sweep across this land. Have man, woman, boy, and girl to be able to humble ourselves in your presence, God. To be able to accept your son Jesus as our, as our personal savior, God. To be able to live for you. Knowing that we have Ronald Reagan Jr.'s all around us. That there's atheists all around us. We can't change them. That there's agnostic all around us. We can't change them. But God, we, you said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So we know that we have the power. Amen. So God bless us, Father. I stand in intercession for this country right now, God. Father, we're going down and we're going down fast. 
So Father, allow this to go viral, God, that some man, some woman, some boy, some girl, God, would accept your son Jesus as their personal savior. And that we would do as the psalmist encouraged us to do, just be still and know that you are God and you will be exalted in the end. Amen. So God, we thank you, Father. Thank we you. love you. We trust you. We honor you. We bless you. We magnify you. We continue to stand in intercession for those that have fallen ill, those that have been touched by coronavirus, cancer, uh, leukemia, lupus, all of those dreaded diseases, God. We stand in intercession right now in the name of Jesus, God. And Father, we ask that you would touch those who have been confined to beds, canes, crutches, and wheelchairs, God. Those who are now settling in a convalescent home, nursing homes, and prisons, God. Dispatch your angels to those people and give them confidence and peace. As we wait for that great, grand, and glorious day that your son Jesus shall appear back on this earth. And we thank you for it all, and it is in his wonderful and holy, righteous name. In, Yeshua Mashiach, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people say amen. Amen. And amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Amen.